This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. I'm Philip Mock, and this is the Retirement Detective Podcast. Today's episode is the obligatory debt ceiling episode. Unfortunately, we find ourselves here in America in another pickle with the debt ceiling. It's definitely not the first time we've been here, but here we are again. This episode will be released at the end of May, within the last seven days of May, 2023. As of this moment, we do not have a legislative deal with the White House to resolve the debt ceiling problem, which is troubling. So I want to talk a little bit today about what the debt ceiling is and why fixing it is very important. And I'm going to hit on a couple of historical events that I think are worth mentioning, such as when we somewhat defaulted back in uh, 1979, and also we'll touch on the S&P credit downgrade that occurred in 2011. To be really honest, this is not an episode I wanted to make, but a number of friends and family have reached out and asked to have me do a debt ceiling episode. It seems like what everybody is talking about right now, because it is very important and very concerning if we don't find some sort of resolution. I'll also note that I don't know that anything I'm going to tell you today is going to be drastically better or different than anything you may be able to Google and read online because there's been literally thousands of articles written about the debt ceiling in the last two weeks or so. So I'm just going to give you my take on it, but I encourage you to do other research and reading. This episode will also not really be about how to adjust your portfolios in this type of market. There are certain things that I am just not allowed to discuss on a podcast like this and 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 that type of tactical strategy is, in my opinion, one of the things that I just really can't touch on. So we're just going to talk a little bit of history and sort of what I think might happen if we breached the debt ceiling and had a default uh, in, in broad strokes. This is not really going to be a really cheerful episode, but it's where we are. So let's let's dive into it. In the United States, our debt ceiling is basically a limit on how much debt that we as the United States can can take out. Imagine that you're a 20-something, early 20-something, and you go out to get your first credit card, and they tell you that, you know, here's your credit card, the interest rate's very high because you've never had a credit card before, and your credit limit is $2,000. Or maybe you've had a credit card for a very long time and you have a $50,000 credit limit or $100,000 credit limit. 
the debt ceiling for the United States is sort of like that. The U.S. Treasury is the body of the government that distributes money, that borrows, and is responsible for paying back debt that we have borrowed. And the debt ceiling is basically a limitation on what the total amount of federal debt that can be incurred by the U.S. Treasury is. So when we look at all of the debt, there are a few really obscure exceptions, but it, we're talking like 99 point, I don't want to put a number on it, but nearly all of the debt of the United States is subject to the debt ceiling. Once we hit it, the government, vis-a-vis -vis the treasury, would not be allowed to borrow anymore, which means that if we're already at capacity we and we've used all the money we have from treasury receipts, which is pretty much from tax income, then we would find ourselves in a default position because we would not be able to have the money to pay back the debt that we already owe. So that would mean potentially that veterans benefits, social security benefits would be impacted. It means that potentially if you own a U.S. treasury, your interest payment might be impacted. I used the word impacted very carefully because it is my humble opinion that if we actually do have a default event that these benefits would be resolved eventually. It'd still be pretty bad and challenging and we've been here before. We've had lots of other debt ceiling fighting and issues, especially in the last 30 years or so, it seems to be more of a political weapon than it has been in the past. If you do some research, as I have, and, and you, you look back into uh, pre, I would say pre-Vietnam War, there's really not a ton of instances of us getting so close to the point of default as we have recently. But we've, we've had our share of close calls so I think that the best case scenario is that the legislature and the White House can reach some sort of agreement that gets us out of this situation that we're in. But unfortunately, uh, based on the most recent discussions, it doesn't sound like we're necessarily any closer to a resolution. Janet Yellen, who is the Secretary of the Treasury has indicated that uh, we would hit the ceiling at some point in early June of 2023, and it could be as close as June 1st. That doesn't leave a lot of time from at least the day that this particular episode is being recorded. However, we have been this close before and managed to squeeze out a resolution. So I certainly think it's possible we can still get it done. This is a an opinion of mine that I will share, but I think that there are there are really great politicians out there. There are really bad politicians out there. But politicians are like most other people where they want to keep their job. Whether you're a machinist or an executive, an accountant, an attorney, a politician, you want to be employed. You want to keep your job unless it's time for you to retire. I think that if nothing else, out of a desire for preservation come the next election, 
the legislature and the White House will find a way to get this done. If they don't get it done, I do think that the consequences are are concerning. We can look at a little bit of history and and see what that looked like. So in 1979, we had what some consider to be a default. Others don't consider it to be a default. Um, but Congress and the White House, which at that time it was the Carter administration, were in another debt ceiling battle. Um, they wanted to raise the borrowing cap. And unfortunately, it got very very close to the deadline, the Treasury actually was forced to delay payments to some investors on some Treasury bills that were maturing right after the aftermath of the battle. They did reach a resolution, but it was really at the zero hour. And imagine, you have to go back in time to 1979, think about what computers were like, what the printing and word processing equipment was like. And basically the the Treasury's perspective is that the the resolution came in so late that they didn't have time to prepare their systems, their printers, et cetera, to be prepared to make that payment. Now, in a technical sense, if the government doesn't make a payment, that's a default. So there were at least three payments that were delayed in that in that incident. Now, some say it's not a default because we actually had a resolution, the debt ceiling was raised prior to breaching it, and it was just a processing error. Others say, well, it was a default because you didn't actually make the payment. History does indicate that there were some effects from that. So the yield on treasury bills went up pretty notably at that point. Um, bills are the shortest maturity treasury, and they had a nearly instantaneous uh, six-tenths of a percent or 60 basis point increase in yield, which is pretty significant. So I think that's just indicative of the perceived higher risk of treasuries in the aftermath of them not being able to make those payments. So I think that's one potential takeaway is history might dictate that if we have a, if we're not able to resolve the debt ceiling matter, that we may see yields on treasuries rise pretty dramatically because the perceived risk of those has gone up. Now, kind of on a similar note, we had another incident in 2011, which was when we lost our AAA credit rating from S&P, which is Standard & Poor's. As you may recall from our fixed income episodes, uh, I guess it was a couple months ago, we had uh, an episode that talked about credit and credit quality and why that's really important in fixed income valuation. One of the key elements when you're evaluating credit quality, I would not say it's the only element, but a key element when you're evaluating credit quality is to consider the credit rating of the issuer, whether you're borrowing from a city or a county, a corporation, or the United States government. We have three major credit rating agencies in the United States, and Standard & Poor's is one of them. And 
they rate a lot of different things. One of the things that they rate is actually the United States because we are a debt issuer. And in 2011, we lost our AAA credit rating. So AAA is the highest level and the next level down is AA plus, And that's where we are even today. We moved one rung down on the ladder from AAA to AA plus. Now the way that the S&P system works is it's a letter system with the plus and minuses. So it starts at AAA and then one down is AA plus, one down from that is AA, one down from that is AA minus, one down from that is A plus, and then A and then A minus, and so on. So we moved down one rung. There's actually, with the same type of system, AAA to AA to single A with all the plus, neutral, and minus uh, options in between. And then there's triple B, double B, B, and then triple C, double C, C, and then there's D. As you move down, the the risk of default from the issuer increases, at least in the view of S&P. So we went from AAA, which is the highest level of confidence or the least amount of default risk, to AA+, which is still very high quality, but just not the quite the same sterling quality that AAA is. In the aftermath of that, which was from another debt ceiling fight, by the way, we had some pretty immediate impacts. The stock market dropped pretty dramatically the next market day. It also dropped in the days prior. The S&P 500 fell over 10% in the 10 trading days prior to the credit downgrade. And then the morning of the next market opening after the credit downgrade was down another several percent. History would say, based on that event, which was just a credit downgrade, that we will probably potentially have a, a downturn in the market, which I don't think is necessarily a surprise to anybody. Keep in mind that that was a situation where we did not breach the debt ceiling and we had a one one move down on the credit scale. I think it's possible that if we breach the debt ceiling, at least one of the credit rating agencies will downgrade us again. It makes sense. I mean, if, if, if we're talking about a person and they fail to make a payment, then the perceived credit risk of that borrower is definitely higher. And I don't think that the U.S. is necessarily any different other than we're you know, effectively the currency of the world, which makes keeping our credit quality high very important to our financial system because the dollar is so valuable for many other things. So that's what history tells us. And I, I don't think I'm really putting my neck out there to say that I think the stock market would react pretty poorly to a, a default. But I will say that I think if we found ourselves in that situation, Congress would eventually fix it, and then the Treasury would make everyone whole. So I do think that if you hold Treasury securities today, and you happen to have one that an interest payment is missed, if we go down that road, it is my humble opinion and guess that you would be paid that interest eventually, but it would be late. Obviously, there would be an impact to other 
payments to Americans like Social Security and VA benefits. I think the bigger thing is that we just can't find ourselves in that situation. And it would really be prudent, I think, for Congress and the White House to work out their differences and to get this done. And I know that there are very strong opinions on whether we resolve the debt ceiling through spending less or raising revenue. I'm not here to navigate that quagmire, but I will say that finding a resolution is of utmost importance. That's all I have to say about the debt ceiling at the moment. I do think it is concerning. Uh, feel free to call your congressperson and implore them to just figure something out and get it done because I think that, um, that that is the most important thing right now. Again, I don't know that I've said anything too amazing compared to what you can probably Google and read yourself, but those are my thoughts. And I don't, I do want to briefly touch on that I don't believe that in any scenario that investors should make rash decisions based on current events or perceived current events. History, time and time again, dictates that a long-term viewpoint and allocation and perspective for investing suits most investors best. We'll see you next time. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only. <laughs>